Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super, super excited for this week's show. It's the rare double guest episode. We're talking about St. Elmo's Fire, which means I'm joined by my favorite Brat Packers, the hosts... (laughs) Of the <laughs> Dorking Out podcast and the What a Creep podcast, please welcome back to F This Movie, Margot Donahue. Hello. And Sonia Mansfield. Hello, friends. Hello. How are you both doing? We're doing pretty good. I'm in a mood to like throw some uh, college graduates out of a bar because that's my seat. <laughs> I feel the fire burning inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are I, you? Uh, listen, I want to be your man in motion. <laughs> <laughs> that song was like not written about this movie, and then he just changed some of the lyrics to mention St. Elmo's Fire. If you see that video, it's obvious because the actors kind of look at him like, huh? <laughs> the video, which I just watched with Erica last night, she says hi, by the way. Um, oh, hi, Erica. We love Erica. Confirmed my suspicion that St. Elmo's Fire is the proto friends. Yes. Sure. Because at yeah, one point absolutely. they're all just looking out the window where it's raining, and I'm like, that's a shot directly from friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're also walking into a bright light at the end, so I assume they die at the end of that video. Yes. There's. But- they're going Lots to of bright lights in this movie. There's a lot of scenes where people leave, a, they open a door, and then there's a bright light, and they walk through it. And I'm like, oh, so they're going to die now? Margot, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> they were dead the whole time. It's a re- it's a Jacob's Ladder scenario, as they say on uh, <laughs> how did this get made. Um, all right, before we talk about St. Elmo's Fire, I'll ask both of you, have you seen anything good lately? I saw Elvis. I said, have you and... seen anything good lately? <laughs> oh, you burnt, Baz Lerman. <laughs> I kind of liked it, I have to tell you. Oh, I no, didn't it's see totally it in a theater. I, the last time I was at the theater, I was saying to you was, and I didn't expect this to happen, but it was December of 2019 when it was the rise of Skywalker. And it was the last time because... There was there's a scene in the Rise of Skywalker where two characters kiss. I'm not gonna say who it is, who they are, but somebody it was totally quiet in the theater and some nerd sitting at the end of the aisle yelled, Boo! (laughs) (laughs) How dare you call me a nerd? (laughs) (laughs) Killed my buzz. And then I was like, that's it. I need to take a break. And then COVID happened. So (laughs) anyway. I, I've seen a lot of Elvis movies over the years. Heartbreak Hotel. Who could forget that with Charlie Schlatter? Uh, there's been a lot of them. <laughs> we forget that one. I know. I've, I've seen a lot of them. I, I know. It's big. It's messy. It's kind of dumb. I kind of liked it. I don't know. It was a big spectacle. And I think he was a big spectacle. And a pedophile. And kind of creepy. But I don't know. I... I I enjoyed it. It's the only Baz Luhrmann I think I've really enjoyed. That's how Ooh. I felt. I'm standing That's by int- it. That's interesting. See, I I like Romeo and Juliet actually, and found Moulin Rouge to be too overwhelming. Yeah, Elvis is pretty 
overwhelming. I mean, it, it totally depends on your feelings about Baz Luhrmann, I guess. Although I take that back, Margot, because you just said you didn't like most of his movies and you liked this one. So yeah, I'm real mixed on Baz Luhrmann. I'm mixed on Elvis. There's some stuff that I think is really great. And then there's other stuff that I just was like, this is punishing. Yeah, I think Tom Hanks is, is wonky. There's a little... <laughs> He kind of shows up and it's like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man kind of shows up in the scene and it's like, Christ on a cracker, that's Tom Hanks underneath all that. Um, I think Austin, what's his nuts, is really good. Butler, yeah, he is really good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, he's, he's good. I think the, the he goes by spring. Austin Butler now, Margo. <laughs> <laughs> he changed it from Austin yeah, What's His Nuts. His, his hippie pants gave him What's His Nuts and he. He ditched that smart, smart, smart pants guy. Yes. Um, anyway, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was enjoyable. I, and I also really liked the HBO doc about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, the last movie star. So I saw the verdict for the first time in many, many moons. And I really enjoyed it. It's a huge bummer for sure. But I think it's probably my favorite Paul Newman performance. Ooh. Yeah, but I'm sticking that out there. I have not yet seen the last movie star, but I can confirm that the verdict rules. Yeah, it really fucking rules. I, yeah. I, I think I saw it with my mom when I was a kid. And she was like, you really want to see this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't every eight-year-old want to see it about an alcoholic lawyer? <laughs> and <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. That's the movie that like he didn't win the Oscar for. And so then The Color of Money was like his makeup Oscar, right? Correct. I okay. think Gandhi won or something. And then I remember being really pissed off that he didn't win an Oscar. Yeah. And that's when I started thinking this stuff is bullshit. <laughs> well, I got very jaded. <laughs> good. That's the way to approach this stuff. Yeah. Did eight-year-old Margot not like Gandhi? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All kids love Gandhi. The movie, I mean. The movie. Yeah. Not the person. Not the no. they hate and him. I, and I, I attempted love and mercy, and I lasted about twelve minutes. That's the uh, the Brian Cusack movie, John right? Cus yeah, John Cusack is Brian Wilson. Didn't, okay, didn't connect. I saw it, and I don't really remember it, but I remember liking. It was kind of a julie and julia situation where I was like, the flashback mm, stuff yeah. is good. Why are we doing this present day stuff? I. Concur. I like. Yeah, I think they should have led with the stuff in the past because yeah. I like Paul Dano a lot. Uh, Sonia, how about you? Have you seen anything good lately? Yes, I went to the theater on Friday morning because I just needed to hide for a couple hours, <laughs> and I saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, I'm so jealous. Which I liked. It was. It wasn't as scary. I I wanted it to be scarier than it was, but I actually. I really liked it. I thought it was fun. I think uh, I, I mispronounce everyone's names, by the way. Rachel Sinat? Senate, Sinat? I believe. Okay, from Shiva Baby. Mm -hmm. She's the MVP of this movie to me. She's my favorite in all of all of the people in the movie. She's real great. And uh, it's just a bunch of 20-somethings. They're all staying in a mansion. They're calling it a hurricane party, and a hurricane's coming. And it's kind of this, they start stabbing each other in the back, you know, figuratively and literally and uh it 
the end surprised me and I love I love it when that happens and it doesn't happen that often. I'm humble brag. That doesn't happen that often. I'm really <laughs> smart, you guys. You can't pull one over on Sonia Mansfield, no, Hollywood. No way, man. I've been watching Gandhi since I was eight. I'm really smart. So, But this one tricked me and I like that. I think it's good. I liked it. I'm excited to see it because I'm a big Rachel Sennett fan uh, from Shiva Baby, so. That one is really good. I mentioned it to Margot the other day and told her she should put it on her list because it's 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 tense and awkward and darkly funny. Yeah. And she's so, so good in it. And she's really good in this one, too. And I don't know, Lee Pace always I'm always happy to see Lee Pace. He's great. I just read somewhere that he's six foot five. <laughs> Have you seen I think there's a shop right now called Super Yaki, which I am a fan of, and they have a whole line of merch out right now, and it just says Lee Pace is 6'5". Oh, well, maybe that's where I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's literally like you could buy a shirt that just says Lee Pace is 6'5". What else has Lee Pace been in? I remember him from the TV show Pushing Daisies, but he was also in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I think. He was, He's... but he was like the bad guy and that's yeah. not super memorable in that. I'm trying to think of like what he would have been like a big part of. Was he in Halt and Catch Fire? Uh um, that him as well? Uh yes it was. Okay. I haven't seen that one, but I I, haven't either. I I loved Pushing Daisies. That's where he clicked for me. He's in some of the Hobbit movies. Oh, he's in all the Hobbit movies. I don't like no. the Hobbit movies. No, they're not good. No. He's in Marmaduke. <laughs> no. Anybody? Marmaduke? No? Uh, no, I did not see Marmaduke. I was mixing him up with Clifford, which I did yeah, see. I oh, my gosh. I saw the other giant Beethoven, dog movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real Dante's Peak Volcano situation. <laughs> R.I.P.N. Heche. Oh, oh that, to- that one, that sucks. That yeah. one sucks. She was great. Yeah. My, Donnie Bosco. Yeah. yeah, she's she's really good in that. And say what you will about Volcano. My 10-year-old is obsessed with disaster movies right now. So I have watched Volcano more times than should be legally allowed. And she's she's very good in a movie like that. I was kind <laughs> of surprised. She was always good. I don't I don't think I've ever seen Volcano, so I don't remember when the coast was toast, but I remember <laughs> I remember that marketing campaign. Yes, it was everywhere. I, this <laughs> is when we were getting uh, Tommy Lee Jones, the action star. It's a very yeah. strange, very, very strange movie. But my son is very obsessed with it. So we've watched it a lot. Does he have a favorite disaster movie? Right now, it's still Independence Day. All right. That's yeah, the favorite, sure. which, by the way, he was introduced to through F This Movie Fest. Nice. And so ever since that, he, I was watching it, he wandered in, he started watching it, and he was like, what's this? And he became very obsessed with it, and then was like, can I watch more movies like that? And I was like, that's my boy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, let mommy help you. (laughs) So we've been watching a lot of Volcano, we watched Towering Inferno, we watched San Andreas, we watched i i threw speed in there because mm-hmm. i was like not technically a disaster movie but it does involve a lot of car crashes 
So we've watched Speed. We've watched Smokey and the Bandit a nice, lot. Nice, nice. He really yes. likes Smokey and the Bandit. It's because he has um, eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks Sally Field is really cute in it because she is. Yeah. She's adorable. Yep. Yes. And he thinks Jackie Gleason's character is really funny. He's right. Do not show I... him uh, Independence Day Resurgence. No. And I he has seen clips of that and he's like, What's that? And I was like, It's a different Independence Day. Do you want to watch that? And he said no. And I was like, Good kid. Good. Smart. Good. I'm raising him right. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, we went to see E. T. in IMAX yesterday. <gasps> yeah. How was it? It was amazing. How- I heard it's trash. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds so fun. Yeah, I mean, we had take there was a, a theater not too far from here that did a rep screening of ET maybe a year ago. It had to be a year ago, and we took the kids. So this was actually their second time seeing it theatrically. They don't know how good they have it because I'm like, I only saw it once when it was out. You guys have already seen it twice on the big screen. Um, but the IMAX looked great, and ET is my favorite Spielberg movie. Uh, yep. Obviously, he has so many good movies, but I don't think he's ever been better than E.T. Like, if you had to define him by just one movie that he made. For me, it's E.T. It's perfect. That makes it sense. A, it's, it has so oh. much heart to it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's the most Spielberg movie, right. easily. Yeah. Like, the family stuff, the kids stuff, the heart, all of it. So and good. Humor. Yes. And the kids didn't understand why the adults were crying at the end. And I was like, I cried when I was a kid. What's wrong with my kids? I bawled my eyes out. Yeah, I definitely cried as a kid. And my kids are just heartless. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's not true. No, I don't think it's true. But something's wrong with them if they're not crying at E.T. No, they just seen so many movies. They just they understand it more. They don't. They're not as emotional about it. That's kind of what Rosie said. She's ten, and Erica was like, "Why aren't you crying?" And she said, "Because I know it's fake, Mama." Yeah. <laughs> so wow. jaded. Yeah. It's very logical of her. <laughs> She's a Vulcan. Uh, and then we saw <laughs> the Black Phone. Have either of you seen the Black Phone? That's no. the Ethan Hawk one. That's the Ethan Hawk one. So I was I've, I've been seen those posters. Yeah, I've been waiting. Yeah. I wanted to see it theatrically. Then it came to VOD. It was 20 bucks to rent and I was like, I know the second I rent this, it's going to show up on Peacock. And lo and behold, right. I just had to wait and now it's on Peacock. You can watch it even without a Peacock subscription. You can just watch it for free on Peacock. Um so I watched it. I thought it was okay. Like, I really like Ethan Hawke as an actor. I thought he was great in it. Um, I think it's well directed, but overall, something about it left me a little bit cold. Okay. But I You mean, need to see the HBO documentary he did, because he's, he's a great director, and it's just to see his warmth there. I don't want to see him kill people. He's the killer, <laughs> right? Spoiler. He's, he's the, the, <laughs> the antagonist, yes. Okay. And he wears a mask. Does he kill with the phone? The does he like whack him over the head with the phone? He does not. <laughs> that would be a better movie, perhaps. <laughs> I'm just picturing him like hovering over people. Book. <laughs> he could be like Freddy Krueger and just have lots of zingy one light. It's for you, yes. clonk. You know, like. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know. Better movie. Better movie. But, I would uh, watch that movie. Yes, thank you. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, then when we got home from E.T. last night, I was like, it's time. We need to put on St. Elmo's Fire, which is what we're here to talk about today. Good enough. The 1985 Brat Pack classic, St. Elmo's Fire. I will let the let you ladies lead on this and then I'll chime in. But your initial thoughts on St. Elmo's Fire. I saw this in the theater. Same. In 1985. And it came out just a couple of months after The Breakfast Club. And the audience, to say the audience was in the hip pocket is just not even... This audience, the second you saw them walking with their gowns, you know, them just the title credits, it was like a hero's welcome, like Iwo Jima. These heroes <laughs> were going to give us a movie that was going to rock our socks off. Don't, don't blow it out of proportion or anything. I'm just not like... kidding you. This audience erupted into applause for Ali Sheedy. In a you know in a graduation gown for Mayor Whittingham for all of them, and they were in it the whole fucking time, and I was just a kid, so I'm like okay, you know I laughed along with all the laugh. I to this day I can remember where everybody laughed, where everybody was you know didn't laugh whatever. Um, now I just I'm so angry at this movie. <laughs> It's so insulting on so many levels, but it's fucking watchable, man. It's so watchable. <laughs> it's it so is, watchable. Yeah, that's, that's the Joel Schumacher, Schumacher yes. factor, right? Like, he, he knows how to make a movie. It's super watchable. I saw it in the theater, too, and I... I was 14 at the time. I was... the movie. I think the movie's rated R, but it was 100% like made for teenage girls, I was all in on it. I had a big crush on Emilio Estevez at the time. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go see Salem's Fire. And I yeah. love and I loved it. And I was like, I was like, it's my new favorite, you know, because <laughs> whatever I saw was my new favorite. And I now watch it as an adult. And I'm like, oh, these are all terrible people. They're these all terrible. They are all garbage people. Every single one of them. And I am convinced they are only friends because nobody else would be friends with them. Yeah. That's that, what I think. That's the secret subtext of this movie, that they're all just yes. sociopaths <laughs> and nobody else. I, I really think, I mean, they're all pretty terrible. And they set it, they set it up right at the beginning. Like, Rob Lowe's character, Billy drinks and drives, wrecks someone else's car, and he's just like, yeah, what are you going to do? I just fucking wrecked her car. And They you know, giggle about it. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> That's hilarious. Now let's go to a bar and get a drink. Like That's what they do immediately. They all yes. meet at the hospital, then the police station, then they go back to the bar and drink. And then they're saying to him, like, hey, man, not cool. You're married. You have a kid and all. Ha ha ha! Cheers. <laughs> so funny. It's so like, how old are these people? Because we're supposed to believe they're like only twenty-two, right. but they're but they're all behaving like they're any. I would say like let's say twenty-seven. They all look and behave it's like they have 
like they're farther along in their careers. Like they're just out of college, but they're already like mid-level at their jobs where they are, except for, of course, Rob Lowe, who's destitute, but seems okay. I mean, and he's still I, walking around in his like college jacket with like the uh, seal on it. I'm like, grow up, dude. And it's Georgetown they went to. Yeah. And they're the only ones that graduate. There's nobody else at that school. <laughs> I think it's like, everyone else dead? I mean, now I wonder, did everyone else die or did they all die? They're they... dead and in purgatory. Yes. That's what it is. It has to be, right? Because at some point. Doomed to only interact with each other. Right? I, now I wonder. Maybe that's what happened. Ooh, they died in that Jeep. Now, see, <laughs> damn it. Now I have to watch it again. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, Wait, when did you first see this movie? I, yes. I grew up with it on like VHS and cable, and it was always super watchable for me, even though I think I always kind of knew like it was not very substantive. Like I knew it wasn't as good as The Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. but I could easily watch this group of people interact with each other because the movie looks great. They're all great looking. Well, no, they're all great looking. It's just that they're not all done favors by the costume department, I guess I should say. But Correct. Uh, most of them look great, and it's very, very easy to watch. Is it very good? No, not really, because it just fails as a movie in terms of, like, drama. There aren't really character arcs. There's so- Some of the, you know, characters have storylines. Some of them... I'm looking at you, Emilio Estevez. It feels like an afterthought where it's just like, oh, shit, we have Emilio Estevez. we got to give him something to do. What if he stalks a woman? Yeah, great. Okay. That's a, that's hilarious. That's so funny. His storyline he... is resolved like two-thirds of the way through the movie, and then he's still just hanging out looking for something to do. He works at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> he's always like just has the the... The, the apron around his waist, like ready to like pour a beer for somebody. No, he's obsessed with. I'm sorry, what's Doctor Dale Bieberman? Andy Thank you Dr. very much, Doctor Bieberman. To you, <laughs> that, that obviously doesn't remember him one bit. Like the second he, like he's completely obs- says he's obsessed with her. She's so nice to him, takes her home with him. Like she's encouraging this idiotic behavior for this guy. Like he follows her to a party in the rain on his bike. What is going to happen here? Then they have the whole thing with just the roommate that hates her. It's stupid. It's so (laughs) dumb. And then he follows her when she's going on her trip with her boyfriend. Like God forbid she has a boyfriend. And of course she does. She's beautiful. Look at her. I mean, what are we even doing here? But you're right. Like the Emilio Estes. And then he's, roommates with my big crush andrew mccarthy (laughs) still my big crush that he's obsessed with spoiler ali sheedy who's living with such a turd alec (laughs) alec alec (laughs) which is uh oh judd uh nelson judd nelson (laughs) not not judd abato judd nelson (laughs) who's such a shithead why are they even together? Who's like, basically, he's just trying to badger her into marrying him so he doesn't sleep with the lingerie saleswoman? That's, I mean, there's so much wrong here. But I think, like, did, 
do they just kill all people around them and so they're stuck with each other? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just wonder, like, do people just die around them? Mayor Winningham, like, they and her character arc is just really, oh my god, and she's so such a great actress. She's the best one of all of them. I mean, at the time, anyway, she was definitely the strongest. But they don't do her any kind of justice. They kind of no. She, She's she's being abused by Rob Lowe, who was the prettiest. Let's be clear. Yeah. Of all of them. Yes, um, he is. I think Demi Moore's good. I think she's got actually. Yeah. If you have to pick one person in the movie, I think Demi Moore's the MVP here. Yeah, I think she's really interesting. I I mean, well, she's her playing character's a, nuts. Yeah, she's playing a type of character that we didn't necessarily see a lot in the '80s, and she's one of the few right. characters. Where everybody, including the film, is sort of acknowledging, like, this person is a disaster. Because Rob Lowe is a disaster, but we just keep laughing it off and, oh, it's fine, Rob Lowe, because you're playing the sax and you're cute. (laughs) Whereas with Demi Moore, everybody kind of acknowledges, like, oh, she's a mess and she needs help. And, you know, Demi Moore, I think, comes by that, honestly, because she had had her own struggles by, you know, in the Mm -hmm. 1980s. And so Mm -hmm. that informs some of the performance. So I wish more of the characters had as much to them as Demi Moore, because then we might have something with this movie. Right. I agree. Demi Moore's character feels like she is, she really is addicted. She really is getting out of control, whereas Rob Lowe's character feels like he's just making shitty choices over and over, but he can make those choices. I feel like Demi Moore can't help herself. Right. That character, I should say. Yeah. What is Judd Nelson? What are we supposed to learn from him? Judd Nelson's whole thing, like, I'm I'm guessing he either took the role or was cast because it's such a 180 from John Bender and The Breakfast Club. So it's like, look at this guy's range. He can mm-hmm. play burnout John Bender and yuppie prick Alec, you know. Oh my gosh, such a prick. He is. He's I was watching worst. it with Erica last night and we're watching, you know, I, I have always, we'll get to Andrew McCarthy, but I've always sort of identified with the Andrew McCarthy part, especially when I was younger. Now I sort of, it's, it's very transparent, but when I was a kid watching it, I was like, well, that's who I feel like I want to be the sure cynical sort of writer who is in love with someone from afar. And you know, it's very, it's all very romantic. Yes. Mm-hmm. He is desperately in love with Ali Sheedy and admittedly like, they sleep together and then he's like, let's move it. He's moving too fast. He feels mm-hmm. like maybe he owns her a little too quickly. Like, I'm not saying Andrew McCarthy is without fault. But for it to be any kind of choice for Ali Sheedy makes no sense to me. Where it's like, here's this guy who, by his own admission, has fucked nameless, faceless many. Right. And she's still like, but I don't know if I want to pick you or the guy who's desperately in love with me. Yes. <laughs> doesn't seem like much of a choice no no and he he is so horrible once it's first of all it's ridiculous because it's like he's trying to badger her into marrying him so he's just constantly like marry me marry me it's the only way i'm gonna be faithful if you don't marry me and you know she like calls him out in the most like movie way like what are we gonna do about your extracurricular love life you know just like what 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 you know what did kevin tell you and you know and then she's just like it was just a hunch and i was like yes 
This is totally things that happen. And he reacts in the shittiest way because he's in the wrong here. He's done something really fucked up to someone he supposedly really loves. And instantly he's like, I want you out of the apartment tonight. You know, and she sleeps with Kevin and he's super pissed. And then she goes back to like pick up her stuff and he's such a dick to her when she shows up to get her like, no Springsteen's leaving this house. <laughs> and, 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 by the way, and they give him a football and he's like, he, he, only so he can throw it. So we know he's mad. And like he, she leaves. And like the minute she leaves, he's like, I just wish I could get her back. <laughs> it's like, you, you're so shitty to her. Like, you're doing it wrong. When he said Springsteen, by the way, I was in New Jersey and that audience <laughs> loved it. Of course. Boy, they were on his side with that fucking argument. <laughs> yeah. He's to such the, a dick. To the movie's credit, I mean, it's like somewhat progressive in 1985 that at the end of the movie, Ali Sheedy is like, I think I'm going to be on my own because neither yeah. one of you really deserve me and I'd rather not de be defined by what man I decide to date. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Um, do, you think, do, you think she, do you think she picks either of them eventually? No. Nah, she just moves on. I think she just moves on. I, I want to talk about going back to Demi Moore. And I do like her character. I think she's doing a great job. I don't think it's exceptionally well. And that's interesting because Schumacher himself also had issues with alcohol and drugs. And he's admitted to it. And he's the one who helped her get help. The whole next door neighbor who's gay. Oh boy. Oh boy. Which again and, is right out of an episode of Friends, because that show yes. is rife with gay panic. Yeah, there's a lot of gay panic that went on, like in, um, you know, this is post Three's Company. Could be just be a little more. Oh my god! <laughs> the fact that Three's Company, like the whole thing, hinges on. He has to pretend to be gay to have female roommates. This is so ridiculous. Remember Mr. Roper would, like, make his little fingers do yeah, that little dainty? Yeah, I totally yeah. I remember the exact face Norman Fell oh used God, to make. Norman Fell. Crazy. <laughs> anyway, so he, she's, whole thing is that this, well, he's a designer, so of course he's gay, and he lives next door to her, and that she's, like, forcing him to be with, and Andrew McCarthy just has to say, hi, nice to meet you, I'm not into dick, but thank you so much. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Let's talk about Billy Idol. You obviously are a fan, so am I. <laughs> now, Her where did you get the amazing. idea that she's a fan of Billy Idol? <laughs> I, I actually, I'll be honest, I kind of wanted that on my wall when I saw that. I was like, ooh, either that or Van Halen would be great on my wall. Not I mean, that's just such a choice. It's <laughs> such a choice. <laughs> what if she doesn't like Billy Idol? She's right? like, no, no. I don't. <laughs> but it's already up, and now there's nothing I could do about it. <laughs> okay, now the choice that... Wow, so she's two months behind. She's two months drawn out with her paycheck. Her paycheck, yeah. 80, very 80s. Um, and then, so she starts sleeping with the boss. So there's the sexual harassment. You know, there's there's the lawsuit she didn't mention her dream of plans <laughs> when she had lunch with her friends at the homeless shelter. Um, but anyway, so she's, he fires her, you know, for good and sufficient reason. She's like totally, you know, H bombed her life. So all the furniture's out of the building and the wind is going through the room and she's just, 
you know, she's just freezing to death and they're all coming in to rescue her. I mean, Joel Schumacher just has these great visuals. And I remember at the time being like, oh, my God. I mean, now I'm like, that is a ridiculous, like, situation visually that she's in. That that whole, like, desperate. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yes. for sure. Well, it's yeah, got like the, <laughs> the iconic shot of Rob Lowe sitting on the floor and he takes the hairspray yes. and does the fire. And it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it looks great, but it's just uh, it's just a tad over the top, like, right? Just the whole idea of like she's so broken and strung out at this point that her plan is to freeze herself to death in her apartment. It's very, very cinematic, I guess. You know, with all the drapes blowing in the wind, and then we have like this like the dudes out on the fire escape and they're fighting and all this stupid shit. And then here comes Rob Lowe who, by the way, tried to date rape her earlier in the movie. Right, shows we up forgot and to like, mention that. Yeah, and like pounds on the door and is like, let me in. And she is like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let in the date rapist. That's the one I'm opening the door for. And, you and know, he, she, yeah. He's such a shithead, Billy, because he's also really rude to Mayor Winningham. Like, he also makes he's those comments. So awful to her. He, and his wife, by the way, when she shows up with her boyfriend. Okay, what about the bar when he's playing the music? Yeah, just that music they play in Working Girl when people are just walking up and down the street with their briefcases, like we're going or baby boom, like hi, she's going to the office right now. Like it's just that nothing sexy or cool Halloween about it at all. And all of a sudden, Pablo just yells, "Let's rock!" I I would turn around and walk right back out of St. Elmo's Fire. By the way, I'd be like, "Ew, there's live music tonight." Bye. Bye. Did this sequence inspire the Tim Capello sequence in The Lost Boys. <laughs> now that, that one's the best. Dope. See, that's, that's Schumacher. That's one of his hallmarks yeah. is you got a guy yeah. playing sax. It's very 80s, the saxophone. I like it. Yeah. I'm a big believer in premarital sax. <laughs> okay, can I just quickly talk about how much I hate that shit? Because I hate it. Even as a kid, that bothered me because I very quickly identified like, oh, that's some bullshit shorthand where we're supposed to be like, oh, they're lifelong friends. They have this little in joke that they do. And it feels tacked on every time they do it. It's so forced. It makes no sense. But it's this way of like quickly creating intimacy between them. And I yes. call bullshit. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Every time they do it, I'm like, this sucks. And it's like the last thing they say in the movie, right? It's like yes. the last line in the movie. Yeah. No, we're supposed to love it. I'm sure I love. I'm sure love each other. Yeah, they love each other. They probably all hung out except for Mayor Winningham, who was like, "No thanks." She feels like such an outsider, like in this movie, in this cast. It's like here's the Brat Pack, and also special guest star Mayor Winningham, <laughs> who was married and had like five or six kids. Like she is, like she is different because the rest of them were partying and doing their own thing. So. But she is like she's dressed in kind of dowdy clothes, and she, she, oh god, that whole sequence where she's working, she she's giving the woman the check, and she's talking to her about, you know, there's jobs in janitorial service, and the woman's there with like five kids, at yeah. least. Just and give me like, my just check. Give me the fucking check, yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah, like, that 
that's making a judgment. But and even her character that I think we're supposed to think is the good one because she works in the wealth, you know, she works in works the department the welfare of welfare office. Yeah, works yeah. at the welfare office and wants to do good things, but she like takes a car from her like her dad like bribes her to like date a man and right. everyone is by the way and like she keeps hanging out with Billy. This is the Rob Lowe character and he's so shitty to her. And she finally, like, brings this other man to, like, the Halloween concert with the sax playing. And everyone is so shitty to this poor Howie, this poor man that she's agreed to, like, go on a date with. He's in the greeting card business, Sonia. They should make fun of him. They (laughs) They should be, like... Holy shit, she's finally maybe going to get away from Billy. We should be yes. as nice to this man. He probably drives we... sober. Come on, Sonia. <laughs> what a catch. He's a square. The, the bar is so fucking low. It's like he drives sober. What a catch. Like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. They're and they're so shitty to him. But then, you know, the dad like gives her a brand new car to at least consider being engaged to this man that she doesn't love and she does it. She keeps, like, bumming money off her dad that she then gives to Billy. Like, she's not a good person either. She's she's, she's garbage. Weak. She's garbage, just like the rest of them. She's weak. I mean, she's just very weak. I mean, they're all really young. They're not mature people, but it's still... I, uh, God, these people suck. Well, it's... I mean, the movie, like, has some awareness of the ways in which they suck, but not complete awareness, because, you know, it's definitely about, like, okay, they're young, and they're flawed, and they're finding their way, and they're trying to figure stuff out, and so I'm willing to give some of it a pass, but... Some stuff, like the Emilio Emilio Estevez stuff or the Rob Lowe stuff, I just don't feel like the movie is dialed in to the ways in which those characters are toxic. Yes. Well, that and the racial politics are really freaking terrible, too. Um, We have, there's Anna Maria Halsford, who plays a sex worker. She's the one person of color in this movie. I think, like, two of the kids of the woman at the welfare office and then we have the korean gangster and i think that's about um, it okay what kind of senator is alec working for <laughs> that he knows korean gangsters he's republican that... sonia oh right, right, right. this movie's ahead of its time it is ahead of its time <laughs> <It's Piranhas. laughs> which by the way so alec gets Rob Lowe's character Billy a job with the Korean gangster and then he like of course blows it because he messes up every job that Alec gets for him and then he recommends Kirby for it yeah and then yeah why is the Korean gangster giving anyone a second chance after that I don't know right but then yeah and Kirby's whole thing is I need to get money to impress Dale he takes the wrong Thing from every conversation he has like she's like giving it like there's this moment where she's like I got into medicine because I wanted to help people but I'm starting to feel it's more about money and she's trying to say like there's a lot of fundraising involved or you know things like that and he's like you need money got it bye (laughs) fucking rides off like the Emilio Estevez character in the storyline is the one that's aged the worst yeah for in this sure movie for sure it's the very definition like there's 
all these romantic comedies of the 80s where the behavior has not aged well and like all of it is happening in the Emilio Estevez storyline. He is stalking her. He is showing up at her apartment and she's so nice to him because she's probably like, please don't kill me. Right? <laughs> please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. I think it's also, yeah, it's just an, an attractive woman that's like, I don't want anybody to think I'm a bitch. So I'm just yeah. going to be really nice and polite. I think him and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Sonia. I just You're think fine. him and Andrew McCarthy they're roommates. Somebody should just blow up that apartment Blues Brothers style. <laughs> Get Carrie Fisher. Just blow them up. They're both stalkers. They're, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I understand. He's a writer. He's romantic. I get it. But they're both toxic. They're both. Okay, but if you Re- blow if you blow up the apartment, how do you ever find out what the meaning of life is? <laughs> it's on the front page of the paper, Patrick. He just did it. I love that. He just, all he had to do is get laid. And then once he got laid, he was able to write about the meaning of life. The meaning which... of life is Ali Sheedy's vagina. Yes. And it's totally <laughs> something that the newspaper would put on the front page. The meaning of life by Kevin blah, blah, blah. Right there on the front page. Is that like the post too? Like the Washington Post or something that he works for? What I a mean, scoop. Okay. What a scoop. <laughs> I figured it out, you guys. He's gonna press pass on him. Press patch. So stupid. So stupid. I know. It's like none of this has aged well. It's kind of all. Also, they never tell us what it is. No, No. that would require too much on the part of the writers, (laughs) including Joel Schumacher. No, I know. I know. I'm in bad hands with Andrew McCarthy. Uh, the moment he's seen singing along to respect yeah. in his apartment. <laughs> Which yeah. I thought was cute at the time, I will admit. For sure. Yeah, well, in I'm 1985, like, oh. it probably wasn't as much of a cliche as it has become now. So in 2022, yes. you're like, how did anyone include this scene in a movie? But maybe Schumacher was ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. At least he's not singing into a hairbrush and right. dancing. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's doing it properly. <laughs> I, 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 t- I give him that. But yeah, there's just a lot of like toxic behavior and there's a lot of, but once again, it's fucking watchable. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm completely glued to the screen. It looks beautiful. I want to live there. I kind of like, it looks, I mean, I do want to go to that bar, even though there's a saxophone, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put up with it. I, I, I don't know. No, I, 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 there's something Schumacher was a great filmmaker. I love, are they all great films? No. (laughs) <laughs> he, no. had, he had a, a short list of great films. Adam Risky will kill me for saying that. But uh, I love the David Foster score. I love yes. the song by John Parr. It's one of the five best songs ever written. I'll say it. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> That's a thing to say. That's a thing to say. That was Patrick. I stand by it. Yeah. It's catchy, for sure. It's not used in the you. movie enough. They mm. both, Patrick said that. It's like playing in the bar one time that they go, and that's really the only time you hear it. Yeah. You couldn't get away from it back in the day, that's for sure. No, yeah. it was a better age. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Ali Sheedy. Yeah. Who is so charming and gorgeous and is done no yeah. favors by the costuming in this movie because I can't figure out what they're trying to do with her. She's in kind of a Judd Nelson situation where it's like, look at how different this character is from my character in The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. That character. She's a grown 
woman. Yeah, she wears pearls. <laughs> yes, she wears pearls. They're my All favorite. the time, she... even in the shower while yes. having sex. <laughs> yes. And collars she... with little lacy things on them. Yes. And very proper. She's very, very... We're supposed to think it's a surprise that the Judd Nelson characters are Republican now. And I'm like, but they look very Republican <laughs> yes, already. He's already like... She's already like a senator's wife at 22. Yes. Yeah. And that she wears his pajamas. And what about that scene where she he gives her the negligee when his friend's coming over, by the way, for dinner? And they're fucking bad each friend. other. <laughs> It's a bad friend. She goes and puts it on while he's still there. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Kevin's here. Who cares? <laughs> okay. Yeah, who cares? Why should that matter? It's not like he's in love with me. <laughs> I would be really I would be really pissed if I went to my friend's house and they did that to me. Yeah. I would for sure burn the vegetables. <laughs> I'd put my cigarette out in it. That a lot of smoking him. in this movie. Andrew McCarthy's smoking in a hospital. So yeah. much smoking. Which, it's the 80s. I mean, I can't fault him, but it was it was wild to see that opening scene where they go to see Rob Lowe in the hospital and Andrew <laughs> McCarthy is lit up. Like, wow, <laughs> that's a choice. Margo and I were just talking about this because we just watched Midnight Run. And there's so much smoking in Midnight Run. Yeah. Like on a plane, in the restaurant, like everywhere. The bu- there's on the, bus, on, on the train, on the bus. Like, oh my gosh, so much smoking in the 80s. I don't miss it. Same. No. Same. Oh, God, no. I walk behind somebody on the street that's smoking and it's annoying to me. I feel terrible because, you know, people are addicted or people want to smoke yeah. or whatever. But anytime I see somebody smoking... Erica and I will turn to each other and just be like, who still smokes? It's 2022. I, like, we know better, right? It's expensive, too. Have yes, you seen? it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's something like 12 bucks a pack here, I think. Same, same. In New York. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think in North Carolina it's cheaper, but not by much. Yeah. What else? Yes. Speaking of Andrew McCarthy and his uh, bad choices, <laughs> uh, I love the like how he's got like a lady trap going on in his apartment. It's like, I got this coffin cause I thought chicks would dig it. And I've got all these writing wards that I'd never won. <laughs> like it's all this stuff to like attract women that apparently he never brings over. And then he's got like a container of photos of Leslie just lying around. And she's like, am I one of your props? <laughs> <laughs> And then he confesses his love and we get this like, you know, totally 80s sex scene and she leaves her pearls on and like all of it. It's so (sighs) that, (laughs) you know, I do. I, I did not understand. And now I understand it more at the time. I didn't understand. Like, so she hooks up with Kevin and then Alec shows up. And it's like, I just want to get her back. And like, she (laughs) reveals herself to him. Like I slept with Kevin. And at the time I was like, why would she do that? She could have totally gotten away with this. Now I'm like, as an adult, I'm like, oh, she wants to hurt him. Right. She just wants to hurt him the way he hurt her. And she doesn't care. But at the time I was like, I don't get it. So she kind of uses poor Kevin. Yes. Yeah. Man, everybody is kind of shitty. No, Kevin is kind of creepy. Well, 
you don't know that he's well he has a box of her pictures i guess that's kind of creepy but it's like <laughs> yeah it's not until they sleep together where he like starts moving too fast and then you're like yeah. oh okay maybe kevin's creepy because again in a different version of this movie they would end up together like right. just because he loves her you know what I mean? That's all that yes. was required of a movie in the 80s was like, oh, one guy likes a, a girl. Well, then he should get her. Yeah. He just thinks that there's just he's just <laughs> saying there's a chance. Like, it's just like <laughs> <laughs> at one moment and then that everything will change after that. Right. He's going with that narrative. And it's like now. So, I love it when he's talking to the sex worker and about the miracle you know what's the meaning of life and all of this stuff and he's drinking booze you know out of a brown paper bag and she takes the drink from him and she like wipes the bottle off first and then drinks it and i was like good move sex worker you don't know where (laughs) except he's been nowhere which the movie keeps bending over backwards to tell us everybody's obsessed with everybody's sexual history in this movie too they're constantly, are you still a virgin? When's the last time Kevin's had sex? Blah, blah, oh, yeah, blah. we didn't even talk about the fact that at the end of the movie, Rob Lowe gifts Mare Winningham with his penis. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I, I give you her... a going away present? Can I, give you a... can I interest you in a pity fuck? Right. Or... <laughs> Mare Winningham is going to be just fine, Rob Lowe, as soon as she gets away from yeah. this group of friends who figures out that she's a catch. Yes. <laughs> She's going to be fine as soon as the costume department stops layering clothes on her to sell us on this idea that she's like chubby or something. Yes. They just put all these gunny sacks on her, right? Like they just dress her like she's I think she was pregnant at the time, to be honest with you. Oh, for real? I, I think in real life she was. Yeah, oh that's gosh. why they did that. Yeah. But I, just I mean, can you blame her? her? Pity fuck. Can we blame her for what? Being pregnant? No. Just no, no, no. Just you know, he's he's Rob Lowe. You know, we're supposed oh, sure, to totally yeah. forget that he's a deadbeat dad and tried to rape Jules. You know, a month before that, and you know, what a catch for her. I get it. <laughs> he's very handsome. He was handsome. really pretty. Yeah. He was a re- he was on all the teen magazines at the time. Yeah. This is true. This is it's maybe true. the best he's ever looked in a movie. I mean, he's really handsome. He is. He looks, you know, he's almost as good looking as Elvis in that Baz Luhrmann movie. Sure. Austin Wetz's Nuts. They could remake St. Elmo's Fire with Austin Wetz's Nuts. <laughs> I think it would be a better movie, actually. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you saw this in 1985 or at any point yeah. since, was there a character? Because I feel like the idea is we're supposed to sort of identify with one of them, right? Like when people watch friends or whatever and they're like i'm yeah. the i'm the monica i'm the chandler yes. you know was there anyone with whom you sort of identified before you realized they were all terrible people i wanted to look like demi moore Fact. and i still do i think i think she looks great her hair is wow um i think she looks great in everything even though it's really 80s um no i don't want the coke habit um <laughs> I'm sorry. It comes with the look. <laughs> it, it's it. You can't take it's one without the other. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, actually, the Demi Moore, <laughs> I have to say, because I, I didn't, just wanted my own yeah. apartment. That's really all I wanted at that age. I had siblings and stuff, so I just wanted my own place. And I thought she had great hair and great style. Yeah, I didn't relate to her, but I wanted no. to. I wanted those clothes, and I definitely wanted and that hair. 
and the Jeep and the pink leather jacket that I would wear now, I would wear yeah. that now for and sure. And the hair and everything. She, yeah. always, she looks great in every scene, even though she's supposed to be drugged out. We're all supposed to think like, oh my God, she looks terrible. Like, I think she looks great. Yeah. I think I, but I, I mean, her character's a mess. I wouldn't want the bank account or all the problems that no. she has. But 14-year-old Sonia, 100%. Yeah, was the, was, was like, was, yeah. I was the mayor winning him. Like, for sure. Yeah. Like, I was the good girl, for sure, at the I time. was the Ali Sheedy, yeah. But yeah. now, now there's, I I don't know if I connect with any of them. I mean, I'm a writer. I would love to write about the meaning of life and have it on the front page of a newspaper. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen for me. Maybe yeah, I need to guess- fuck Ali Sheedy. <laughs> What desk do you think he works at? Like, seriously, like, where do, where does Kevin work at the newspaper? Like, what, where, what? Well, what they say he's the... in. He, they say he works in the obits. Yeah. Oh, okay, I missed that. And then you just but... jump right to the front page. A lot of totally. times, totally happens all the time. Oh yeah, God, for sure, that's... Patrick. You worked in newspapers. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked in newspapers too. It happened all the time. You write obits, and then you you have a front page column all the time. Um, it reminds me of, uh, I, I get so mad every time I watch Never Been Kissed when Drew Barrymore writes her column at the end of the movie <laughs> and it's the front page of the arts and show section in this Chicago Sun-Times <laughs> and I'm like, what, on what planet is this person writing this article and they're putting it in the entertainment section of the Chicago Sun-Times because her article is just like, I went undercover <laughs> at a high school. I got a teacher to commit crimes. <laughs> <laughs> another one that hasn't aged well no not not particularly well no no well obits <laughs> make sense maybe they're all dead he was like writing all of their there you go there you go <laughs> i think we've read <laughs> the secret meaning of saint almost fire <laughs> yeah that these are all just people <laughs> in purgatory making bad choices <laughs> until they finally you're, you're really selling me on it yeah <laughs> They uh, all died in uh, Mayor Winningham's dad's car. <laughs> I think so. You know the show HBO, uh, Mayor of Easton? Eastman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kept calling it Mayor of Winningham because I don't remember the title. <laughs> better <laughs> show. There's, I think Mayor, that's a better title. Kate Winslet doing Mayor like of a Nottingham. Philly accent on Mayor of Winningham. <laughs> yeah. I think that would totally catch on. I just watched uh, an old 80s TV movie that Vinegar Syndrome put out called Freedom that Mare Winningham is in. And I forget that she's, in addition to being a really good actor, she's a great singer. Have you, have yeah. either of you ever seen Georgia with her and yes. Jennifer Jason Leigh? Oh, my Lee? God. Forever ago. Yeah. That was a long time ago I saw that one. Yes. It's a really good movie. Again, Jennifer Jason Leigh playing kind of a Demi Moore type in this movie. You know, or a yeah. Jennifer Jason Leigh type in terms of just like, I'm a mess as a human being. Jennifer Jason Leigh rarely plays someone with her shit together. And uh, yeah, Mayor Winningham is so great in that movie and is such a good singer. She was in a band in the Bay Area. She was married to someone in the Bay Area. She had like four or five kids or six kids. I forget how many. Bunch of kids. But she used to perform in the Bay Area. And I think that's called a gaggle. A gaggle. A gaggle. <laughs> yeah. And during gaggle. COVID, she yeah. like reunited with Anthony Edwards and now they're married. It's the cutest they're thing in the world. Married. It's so cute. I love that story. I do too. And oh. while we're talking about it, uh, that fucking movie that they're in together is like one of the best movies ever made. 
What movie is that? Miracle Mile. Thank you. I could not come up with the title. I was like, Indian Summer. No, that's not it. <laughs> uh, Miracle Mile. It's about like the last night on Earth. It's so good. I have never seen it. It's so, so good. All right. Moving it up my list. Yes. Writing it down. Especially just watch it for their love. I will. Now that they have real I'm... love. I will do it. It'll I'm wash it. the taste of St. Elmo's Fire out of my mouth. I'm going to watch St. Elmo's Fire again. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that movie ends and I'm ready to watch it again. <laughs> it's fucking watchable. It that is. should be on the poster. Why the crush on Emilio Estevez? That I, I can't get. You know what? I don't know, but something about him. I just had a little crush on Emilio Estevez. This movie totally cemented it for me i don't know <laughs> apparently i too want to be stalked by emilio estevez and i want him to to like dip me and kiss me and then drive off and high five himself and be like i stalked the shit out of that woman yeah <laughs> woo! like i he was i it maybe started with breakfast club or maybe i had seen repo man when did uh, Repo Man yeah, come out? Repo Man is like 84, and he is admittedly awesome in Repo Man. Yeah. So, yeah, 84, you're right. I'm just picturing 15-year-old um, Sonia going skiing every weekend and just looking out the window every couple minutes <laughs> to see if he's pulling up. LOL, Sonia going skiing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just have to go to the cabin and I'm like, wait it's way him. too, way too active for 15-year-old Sonia. <laughs> Sonia. She was at the movie theater watching... St. almost fire Saint again at the, fire, at, the, at the at the dollar house. <laughs> but this is like the definitive Brat Pack movie, right? I mean, we get yeah. like pairings of Brat Pack and other movies, and Breakfast Club comes close. But this is the one that literally just says, like, "Hey, what if the Brat Pack were in a movie together?" Yeah, and that's the general yeah. plot. Just like, "Hey, what if there were movie stars together?" Oh, okay, great. Because yeah, we watched like... the trailer afterwards, and it doesn't even attempt to suggest a plot the trailer is literally just the cast and the title yeah and it and oh, also um so, and people tend to like with the brat pack they can they tend to think like anybody that was famous in the 80s was the brat pack and it no it was movie stars tv people don't count right. it's a very specific it's like mid 80s and just the movie stars. And they were mainly like John Hughes and then a couple of Schumacher's films. And that's that. Yeah. And there was an article. Was it in the New York Times, Margo? Refresh my memory. No, that or New York Magazine. New York Magazine. And it came out like a month before St. Elmo's Fire. And right. And it was like, you know, this is the Brat Pack instead of the Rat Pack. It's right. the Brat Pack. And, and strangely, Emilio Estevez was like the leader, quote unquote, of this Brat Pack. And I think it included Timothy Hutton and Sean Penn. Those um, are not Brad Packers as far as I'm no. concerned. No, same, same. I'm like, that doesn't seem right to me. But I think they are mentioned in the article. It was mainly like Amelia, like they were in New York and L.A. And it's mainly them like hanging out together and, you know, attracting women at bars and and you know, being douchebags. And they were very upset about it at the time because they were like, no, we're serious actors. We're trying to have careers. And this person is just making us look like douchebags. It's like, that's what you get when you invite a reporter when you're going out and drinking, you know? Right. Yeah. That's what happens. And so, yeah, I think uh, they, they were not happy with it at the time. And there's sort of that brush, like, cause some of them don't want to be associated with, none of them really want to be associated with the Brat Pack, but 
that's what happens. It's, it's so shitty, man. We invited this reporter to go on a pussy hunt with us, and then he <laughs> exactly. portrayed it, and then he portrayed it that way in the article. They became the pussy posse. I thought he was going to write about the meaning of life. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's too bad that that Rob Lowe movie Pussy Hunt never came out. <laughs> I know it got shot, but then it got shelved. It's too bad because I heard they were going to release it in 3D. It's going to be amazing. Oh, yikes. Um, do you have favorite Brat Pack movies besides this one, obviously? Uh, I do like The Breakfast Club. Me too. I really still like that one. Yeah. I think that's the one. Okay. I enjoy Pretty in Pink. I recognize it's not great. Uh, I like About Last Night. I haven't seen About Last Night in a really long time. It's the one, it's Jim Belushi, right? (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, Rob Lowe and Demi Moore. Yeah. Based on a David Mamet play. That's right. Yeah, I haven't seen Mamet. it in a long time either, but I remember liking it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's yeah, it's it's um, Demi Moore and Rob Lowe at their most beautiful. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Good call. And, yeah. Uh, anything else about Saint Almost Fire you want to say, or did we say it all? <laughs> it's, it's it's burning in me but it's starting to flame out <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird like they started with the title and worked backwards kind of a situation like we want to call this movie saying almost fire but it kind of has nothing to do with the plot so they give rob Lowe that little monologue at the end of the movie to try to sort of tie it together i don't know that it totally works but whatever it's such a strange thing it doesn't make any sense to me and this was Joel Schumacher coming off of what, like DC Cab? Ooh. I love DC Cab. I haven't seen D- I've only seen it once, and I remember enjoying it because it's got Mr. T and the Barbarian Brothers. But uh, I'm into that, yeah. Right? I, I used to love that. Yeah, back in the day. But I feel like this was kind of his big Hollywood yeah. breakthrough. Um, well, he had made The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Then he made DC Cab, and then Saint Almost Fire, and then Lost Boys. So after this, he kind of goes a list. Lost Boys is so good; it's still the best one. Yeah, yeah. I weirdly was anti Lost Boys for a, a podcast. I don't know why. I listened to that, and then your episode after that, you're like, "Um, I love the Lost Boys." I yeah, don't know I, I don't know why about. I kept saying like it's not very good. Like, yes, it is good. What am I talking about? It's it is really good. Yeah. Yeah, Joel Schumacher's filmography is very uh, hit and miss. Spotty. For me. Yeah. 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 Same. We've we've def- we've talked a lot about a lot of Schumacher movies on Dorky Now. We did flat we did Flatliners with Adam Risky. Nice. And that I mean that's another one that like it looks so good. Yeah. Like it looks good, but like what a strange movie. And then you know we've talked about The Client and. I love and a t- oh, and a time to kill. We've talked about both of those together. Yep. Like, you know, he he made some really good movies, and then he made things like Dying Young. <laughs> <laughs> to Dying Young's credit, I could weirdly watch Dying Young anytime. It's it's a real it's a real Saint Almost Fire situation where like <laughs> it's not good, but I could easily watch it's, 
but it's watchable. I yeah. think his stuff is super watchable. Yeah, it is. And 85 was a good year. I made some. So on Dorking Out, we always talk about other movies that came out that year. So oh, I made yeah, a list. Nice. Okay. Nice. Would you like to hear some? Uh, very much so. Okay. Well, the first one's pretty obvious. It's Back to the Future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Never heard of it. Continue. Never heard of it. Some little movie called The Breakfast Club. We already talked about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Goonies. Mm-hmm. What do you, Margo, you're not a fan. No. She's not I, a fan I... of The Goonies. We've discussed this before about how I want to do an episode on The Goonies, and but we don't like it when we argue on the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun yeah. for people. <laughs> I definitely liked the Goonies as a kid. I, I, as I grow up, I have less patience for it. But I get it. Yeah, yeah. I Weird still have science. nostalgia for it. Weird Science. Yeah, that's not one of my '80s movies. That is another one that I'm like, I don't think that one's probably aged very well. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> okay, I suspect. <laughs> Fright Night. Love it. Great movie. Fright Night is great. Fletch. Love it. <laughs> I. I'm very curious about the remake they're going to do with John Hamm. I will watch. Yeah, me too. Desperately Seeking Susan. Good movie. That's good a good movie. one. Vision Quest. Good movie. Haven't seen it in at least 20 years. Margot and I are going to talk about this one, and I'm a hun- I'm not sure this one's aged well either, Vision Quest, but we'll see. Uh, Real Genius. Love it. Just showed it to my kids for the first time a couple Did weeks ago. Did they love ago. it? Uh, my daughter wasn't crazy about it because mm. there's just not that much in it for her. But Charlie liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's one of my one of my favorite comedies. It yeah, it's great. Cracks me up. And then the last one is Better Off Dead, which is like a formative movie for me. Yeah, yeah, fun fun movie. It it's finally streaming, so we just did an episode on it, and I'm like, that movie still plays. It's so good. It's amazing. It's so weird. I, Dan Schneider is going to fuck it up for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah, he will. He that will. fucking creep. Because it's going to be this thing now where you watch a movie and you're like, I really like this. Oh, damn it. There's Dan Schneider. Okay. but Yeah. He's not in it much. No. Tricky. <laughs> this, this is, you have done, you've talked before about, um, Billy Madison and you're like how did they get away with this movie like yeah. the idea that they're getting away with something that's what better off dead is 100 like, percent. how did they get away with this movie it is fucking bizarre that movie I, HBO used to show stuff twice a day they would show it yes. like early in the morning and late in the afternoon and I remember being by myself I must have been seven years old I woke up before everybody on a Saturday morning turned on HBO and the jello crawled off his plate and out of frame <laughs> and i was like what is this movie that gets me and so i waited all day to show it to my siblings because i was like you guys have to see this movie whenever they play it again because it was amazing and it came on at like four o'clock and we all sat and watched it and then quickly watched it every day and memorized better off yes. that i still have it memorized to this day but yeah that is a perfect example of a movie where they were getting away with something so good yeah and, uh, and the following year, Savage Steve Holland makes uh, One Crazy Summer with an openly miserable Demi Moore. Yes. Yes. And we get and to hear her sing. Back again. Yeah. But we get yep. to hear her sing. Yeah. Um, all right. So where can everybody find more of your stuff? Plug your stuff, ladies. 
We have What a Creep is our podcast where we talk about creeps past to present. That's available everywhere. We have Dorking Out. And uh, Patrick and Sonia, you're both in my book that's coming out. In Yay! <laughs> Filmed in Brooklyn. It's coming out in October. It looks great. I'm so excited. And uh, you can get it. Uh, look up Margot Donahue on Amazon. You can pre-order a copy. All movies that are shot in Brooklyn. I'm super proud of it. And you can find me at Brooklyn Fitchick on Twitter, Instagram. And that's my blog. And you can find me at thesoniashow.com and the Sonia Show on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Nice. I don't think anybody's ever plugged a TikTok before. Ooh, well, <laughs> join me over at TikTok. <laughs> I'm super cool and young, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for, for being on the show. It was super fun to talk about this movie with you. So Thank fun. You. We will see you guys next week. Thanks again, Margo and Sonia. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.